Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. My preaching is really not hard to figure out. But in case you really haven't noticed, I'm going to tell you my whole philosophy of preaching in just a minute. I believe that I'm a connector. I'm a connector with human needs and the divine word of God. And so uh, I study carefully human needs. I look into my own heart and in my own life. And uh, a lot of times when you hear me preach, I'm preaching to my needs. And I figured if I have some of those needs, a lot of people in the congregation has those needs. But let me tell you, uh, you know, I, I don't just speak on human needs because that's uh, psychology. That would be sociology, psychology, that would be humanism. But I speak and on the Word of God. I, 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 I've, I've never preached a sermon in my life without connecting it with a text. I, I don't see how people preach without preaching the Word of God. I teach my students to study the Word of God. Then to connect that human need to life. Well, I've said all that to say this. I, I'm going to preach a sermon tonight that I, 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 uh, I felt for a long time that I needed. And I feel like I'm preaching to me tonight, but also I feel like I'm preaching to to this congregation and some in this congregation, maybe many in this congregation. And I feel like I'm speaking to a large populace of Christians out there. And I'm going to take my text from a text that you probably have never heard a sermon on before. Psalm 150. How many of you have heard a sermon on Psalm 150? Boy, I have. I got. Boy, am I going to have fun tonight. Nobody's heard a sermon on Psalm 150. Well, it's just not used very much, but we're, we're going to use it tonight. I want to read the 150th Psalm. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Teachable moments happen in strange places. 
A teachable moment occurred to me some time ago when a friend of mine wanted me to be at his side when he was to have heart surgery. And so I got up early in the morning to go down to be by his side and to offer prayer before he went to the surgery. And I I was with him and then I offered the prayer and uh, his wife and two of his sisters were there and uh, we were sitting in the room and after he left and I I thought it'd be a great idea for us to go get some coffee. So we went down to uh, to the snack bar and the only coffee they had was from a vending machine. I'm really not fond of vending machine coffee. Now, if there's anybody that runs vending machines and has a a company, I I apologize deeply for what I've just said. (laughs) I'm just telling you what I don't like. But anyway, I I tell you, vending machine coffee is, is better than no coffee at all. So all three of us got coffee and we sat down at a table, only two tables in the snack room, and we sat down and we started talking. I'd only taken about two sips out of that coffee until a man uh, came into the snack bar and he went over to the coffee machine and saw that it was 75 cents and he said, uh, hmm, came over to us and said, do any of you have change for a dollar? All of us looked in our pockets, ladies looked in their purses, and you know, we couldn't even come up with 75 cents pooled together (laughs) of change. I said, "Uh, sir, uh, if you don't mind... There's a change machine over there. He looked at me rather strange, and I knew that he didn't know what I was talking about. And I I said, well, just let me have your dollar. And I went over there to the change machine, and I pushed the, the dollar in, and it came out. And I gave it to him, and he counted it. Three quarters. Two dimes and a nickel. And I quote him. He said, I golly, it got it right. (laughs) Well, uh, he got his coffee and walked off, and uh, I had taken about three more uh, sips, and he came back with a lady. I don't know whether his wife or uh, or what, uh, but he came back with his wife, and he didn't go to the coffee machine. He came directly to me with a dollar bill and said, do it again. So I got the dollar bill and I I, uh, uh, I uh, put it in the ch- in the change machine and out came three quarters, two dimes, and a nickel. And I handed the change to him and he had to count it again. He said, "I golly, that machine is smart." <laughs> he said, "That thing gave me the correct change both times." He got a cup of coffee for the lady, and then they walked away. I never saw him again, but he taught me a very valuable lesson. He taught me a valuable lesson that in some ways, a change machine was something that caused a lot of awe and wonder in his life. 
And as my friend came from surgery, he did fine and lived a good life. And I was driving home from that surgery. I thought about the fact that I had lost the wonder of a lot of things with the technological age. Now I'm going to date myself. But I lived in a town that had only one building that had an elevator. It was the health department. And I loved to go to the health department, not for inoculations, but to ride the elevator. It was, a, it was an occasion of wonder to me. I, I couldn't get over the fact that I could get on, on the first floor and it would take me all the way to the third floor. Wow. I remember that when I would, growing up as a boy, that I would go out to our airport, which was really nothing more than a graded cow pasture, and watch Piper Cub take off. There were two Piper Cubs in town that people had, and I'd watch those Piper Cubs take off. They'd always fly on Sunday afternoon, and I'd see them in the sky, and then I'd watch them come in and make their landing. Wow! But I get on an airplane today and I think nothing of flying 33,000 feet, 500 miles an hour. I guess there's something that's caused me to lose the wonder. I think it's a wonder that, that we can have a little thing called a cell phone, a smartphone. I've, I've recently got a smartphone, you know, about a couple of years ago. Now, I want you to know something, and I'm, this is, don't you ever forget this. I don't think that smartphones ought to be sold to dumb people. <laughs> but that phone knows more than I do. It's amazing. I missed a telephone call from my son in Denver last night, and... Uh, and uh, I, I decided not to call him back, and, and I'd wait until this morning. And I called him back, and you, you, you would believe that we conversed. He was all the way in Denver, and I am in Georgia. Wow! But we sort of lost the awe about it, haven't we? You know, the call doesn't go through, or the call is dropped. And he said, what, what is wrong with this phone, you know? But greater the loss is the loss of the wonder and the awe of God. God is so much considered in His eminence that we have lost the sense of transcendence and we need to restore the wonder of God. And not too long ago, I realized that I needed to restore my wonder of God. The best place I know to restore that wonder is in the Psalms. And more specifically is in the Hillel Psalms. 
Hillel is, uh, is a word that is translated hallelujah. And it literally means praise ye the Lord. In fact, God is in, is in hallelujah. Hallel, L at the end is, is God in Hebrew, and it means praise the Lord. And the Hillel Psalms, Psalm 113 to 118, Psalm 146 to 150, all of them are praise the Lord Psalms. And right there, I began to study and to recover my sense of the wonder of God. Psalm 150 has meant a lot to me. I've only heard one sermon on Psalm 150. I don't know why the pastor chose uh, that particular day just to pick out the expression about the dance and talk about the expression of the dance, but because there's so much in this psalm. I want you to notice the object of praise is God. Thirteen times in six verses... He uses the word, praise the Lord. There's an extensiveness of the praise of God. The psalmist uh, asked for the heavens to praise, and he asked for us to praise the surpassing greatness of God. And then there's variety in his praise. We are to praise God with our voices. We are to praise God with musical instruments. There are seven musical instruments there. When I was in the pastorate, uh, I I was uh, on the front wave of the youth musicals that were coming. Jimmy, you remember those? And I was in a very traditional church, and and so what we did is is that uh, we we had uh, Phil Landgrave's uh, musical purpose, and we had guitars and drums, I didn't know what to do, you know, it just it was against my culture. You know, it, I was just shook me up. I thought the abomination of desolation had happened. I, I didn't know what to do. But I just let it happen. And 750 people filled that congregation, that sanctuary that had never been filled. And the lady called me and said, Where in the Bible do you find drums and guitars? Well, you know, I I didn't know as much Bible as I know now. And I said, well, I guess it's on the same page with the the piano. (laughs) I didn't know what to say. That's all I said. She didn't really care for me the rest of my years that I was there. But the psalmist was caught up in the wonder of God. And he praises God for his great character. Praise the Lord for His excellent greatness, His character, His excellent greatness. The psalmist was enthralled over the wonder of God by looking at His character. In fact, in Psalm 107, verse 1, it says, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. And then in Psalm 148, verses 8 and 9, it says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, great in loving kindness, 
The Lord is good to all, and His mercies are over all of His works. Whenever we uh, praise the character of God, we ought to look that we ought to praise the wonder of a sinless character. Now, I want you to listen to this very carefully. God has never had an impure thought. God has never said an unkind word. God has never had an unjust action. He is absolutely perfect. That causes me a sense of wonder. There's some people in, on this earth who are great in character that cause a sense of wonder in my life. I, I, did never, I never met this lady, but uh, I, I read about her and I, I read about how much she was concerned about the people of China. I read Bill Wallace's uh, uh, book on her and it's Lottie Moon. You know, I, I'm uh, I'm I've always been an admirer of Billy Graham. Do you know over all of his career, there's not an, uh, there's not a stain on his character. I, I realize that Billy Graham is not a perfect person, but my, it causes a great sense of wonder. To see a man like that. But you know, the greatest wonder that I have is the wonder that God doesn't have any flaw. Listen to this. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. The writer of this biblical passage was comparing the character of God to the heavenly bodies, and he would look out and he would see the moon. He would be full, and then it would waste away to a half moon, and then a quarter moon, and then it would longer see the moon. And it would be some time before he would see a sliver of the moon, and then a quarter of the moon, and then a half moon. And you see, the moon was always changing to people in the ancient world. They, they, they saw the eclipses of the sun, and they realized there was something that was changing and transcended, uh, transient about the heavenly bodies. And therefore, when they came to God, they realized that God is absolutely perfect. I don't say our perfect God can relate to human beings like me. And when I study the scripture, when I look in Psalm 150, praise Him for His excellent greatness. You see, the the psalmist's uh, expression of his greatness includes the grace and the mercy of God. What a great God we have. But 
But not only do I praise God for his, the excellent greatness of his character, but I praise God for his amazing handiwork. The psalmist celebrates the amazing creation of God. He says, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. From the beginning of the Bible to the closing of the Bible, there is the expression, the heavens declare the glory of God. Do you ever think about the vastness of this creation? Do you realize the earth is the third planet from the sun and it's 93 million miles from the earth? Do you realize that the earth is 7,910 miles in, in diameter? Do you realize that it has 197 million square miles? Do you realize that the sun is 33,000 times greater than the earth's mass? Do you realize that we live in a world where there is a galaxy of 200 billion stars? Wow! Those things just didn't happen. The Word of God says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the vastness of creation causes me to wonder. There's also, in the great handiwork of God, in His creation, I'm absolutely amazed over the fact that everything is done in order and in design, and everything is done with beauty. Do you realize there's summer? And then there comes the fall. And after the fall, there comes the winter. And do you realize that after the winter, there comes the spring? And after that, there comes the summer again? It's, it's a routine. Do you realize that the earth stays on its axis and doesn't get too close to the sun? Because if it got too close to the sun, it would literally burn up. Do you realize that if the sun got too far from the earth, we'd literally freeze to death? My friend, all of that is in the hand of God. And we ought not to lose the wonder. The psalmist said in 139, he said, in relationship to the human body, he said, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I, I, uh, I took all science degrees, uh, all during my high school uh, career. Uh, I took all science in my first year of college, and so therefore I had a lot of science because I was headed in another direction uh, rather than the ministry, and then God interrupted me. But I'm thankful that I had those science degrees because, you know, I, 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 studied, I studied biology, and I studied chemistry, and I studied human anatomy, and, and 
organic. I didn't study too well. <laughs> it was one of the hardest things I'd ever had. It's a miracle. I believe in miracles because I passed that course. <laughs> and uh, I, I want you to know, friend, that it's a miracle that I'm able to see you tonight. You ever think about that? You ever think about hearing, hearing? Do you ever think about the respiratory system, how we, we take in air and then we breathe out air? Do you ever think about the circulatory system, about how the blood flows from the tip of our uh, toes to the top of our head, and, and you can study the flow of the blood, and, and we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But also... There's a beauty of this universe. I guess it shows my age, but I'm I'm stopping to look at the flowers now. (laughs) Beautiful flowers. I'm stopping to look at sunsets now. Jane and I love sunsets. And occasionally I'll come out with a preacher remark and I said, my boss made that. You know, who can make a mountain like the Smoky Mountains? Who can make a a mountain like the Rocky Mountains? Who can make the beautiful clouds and the blue sky? We live in a beautiful world, my friend, but we take it for granted and we've lost the awe and the wonder of God. Praise God. For his great handiwork. Then it says praise him for his mighty acts. And there he's talking about the redemptive acts. That are in the Old Testament. You know. uh, I don't know how many times I've ever. I've come to the pulpit in my ministry. I, don't, I know how many times that I've preached the Word of God. I probably should have kept a record of that. But God has blessed me to preach a lot to a lot of people. And every time I come up the steps to the rostrum, I always say, restore my sense of wonder in the preaching of the Word of God. Because I never want to take this matter of preaching the Word lightly. I've noticed that we're very casual sometimes about the reading of the Scripture. I said we, I didn't say you. In fact, um, some time ago I, I, we had an Old Testament professor that... Uh, uh, couldn't teach, and uh, I, I had to go teach for his class, and 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 so uh, I, 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 he was in the Exodus material, and I decided that I would read um, uh, about the experience at the Red Sea, and here's what I did. And the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night. Whew. 
and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided. Man! And I remembered at that point, I looked out and there were some that were yawning. There were some that were texting. Some were looking out the window in the midst of something that was one of the greatest acts in all of history when God separated the sea and caused the Israelites to walk on dry ground across. And the sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on dry ground and on the water was like a wall to them on the right and on their left. Can we read that casually? There needs to be a sense of wonder about the happenings of God in history. There's just many redemptive deeds in the New Testament that I could just stand here and repeat and repeat and repeat. But to me, that one of the greatest, well, I'd say the greatest redemptive event that God has ever displayed is when Jesus Christ on a Friday was lifted up on a cross and for six hours He hung on that cross, suspended between earth and sky, and He died for your sins and mine. You've probably never seen this verse. You probably ran over it when you read it and just didn't notice it. But in the Gospel of Matthew and his account of the cross, it, it was, here's what it says, and sitting down, they watched him die. Well, whenever I preach on the cross, I feel I ought to be on my knees. Every time I preach on the cross of Calvary and, and the crucifixion of Jesus, I, 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 just, uh, I, I, just cannot, I just cannot fathom or comprehend all of the great things that God has done. We ought to praise God for His redemptive deeds. Well, you say, well, that's way back under. You know, that's over 2,000 years ago. And, you know, you talk about the Exodus. That's nearly 4,000 years ago. And, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to keep up the... Wait a minute here. God is still in the redeeming business. And every time we see somebody walk down this aisle and makes a profession of faith like we did Sunday morning, that should cause a sense of wonder because the Scripture says, if any man is in Christ, we're a new creation. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are new. Don't lose the wonder. I was a pastor for 18 years. And then, in 1976, uh, God called me to teach at the seminary. And uh, I became a supply preacher. That's somebody that really hadn't got a church. 
That's somebody that preaches uh, waiting for the real thing to come back. Uh, but I, 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 you know, I tell people I don't change churches, uh, change sermons. I just change churches. Jimmy, I've had 42 interims. 42. Now, let me tell you about, now, you know, I just probably shouldn't tell this on myself, but I'll just go ahead and tell you. Whenever I was a supply preacher, whenever I'm a supply preacher, I always go to a church and, and you know, I, know, I don't know what I'm going to ex- expect. You know, I, I don't know where they'll speak to me or not speak to me. I don't know where they like me or dislike me. And I always realize that I've driven a long way and I don't know where there's a restaurant in that town and I don't know if anybody's going to invite me out to eat. So, you know, I used to carry me a snack. I, this is a true story. I'm not just preaching. There have been times that uh, I've gone to some place to preach and I knew that it was out in the woods somewhere and, and I would carry me uh, a, a drink and I would take me some um, uh, crackers, you know, with peanut butter in it and just in case nobody invited me to eat. So uh, I was preaching in a rather large congregation in, you know, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And, and, and uh, I, I was a supply preacher and everybody was coming by and shaking hands. We're glad to have you with us today and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, you know, nobody was saying, you, you got any place to eat. <laughs> and finally, the last family that came by said, uh, uh, we have lunch prepared for you. I said, oh, that's wonderful. Great. Good. And so I went home to lunch with them. The Beasleys. Never will forget it. Because a teachable moment came to me in the Beasleys household. We were sitting at the table, and, and if, I don't know if you've noticed it, but I, I like to know your name, and I like to know what you do, you know. What, you work, where do you work, you know? You learn a lot about people by what they do. And so we were sitting there at the table eating a roast beef and green beans. I still remember the, the, the menu and mashed potatoes. It was good. And, and I talked to the man, I, I mean to the lady, and I said, uh, do, do you work outside the house? That's the way you say it now, it's to be politically correct. You don't ever ask a lady, do you work? Because, man, they work at home. <laughs> I, I've been told about that several times. So, uh, so uh, the lady said, yes, I, I'm an operating room nurse. Oh, that intrigued me. I, that really intrigued me. And, and it intrigued me so much that I, I had to have another helping of beef and another helping of potatoes and another helping of beans and just to talk with her. Man. And then... She said, now we have dessert, apple pie and ice cream. Oh, yeah, I, I think I can manage that. And coffee. Would you like some coffee? I'd like some coffee. And so uh, uh, she came and served some wonderful apple pie and ice cream, and I'd taken about two bites of that, uh, uh, that pie and taken about a couple of sips of coffee, and I looked over there and I said, sir, what's your work? And he said, I'm a lineman. A lineman? Yes, sir, I'm a lineman. I said, like a Wichita lineman? 
He said, yeah, I'll smile and said, yeah, like a Wichita lineman. I said, do you climb poles? He said, yes, sir, I climb poles. I said, have you ever been shocked? No, sir. And here's what this preacher said. Man, you're lucky. And here's what he said. Sir, I'm not lucky. But every time I get a trouble call, before I ever get out of the truck, I renew my sense of wonder of electricity because I'm about to climb a pole where there's seven to 10,000 volts there. In all 17 years, sir, I've never lost my awe of electricity. How about your wonder of God? You might get discouraged about the church. You might get discouraged about the condition of Christianity in our world. But let me tell you something, friend. If you look into the Scripture and you look at the world about you and restore the sense of wonder, it will do something to your life. And I thought in this revival that it would be a good thing for people to leave and saying how great you are. How great you are. And Sunday after Sunday when the songs and the choruses are sung that we learn something of the wonder of God. And when the word of God is open, we don't try to evaluate a sermon. We try to celebrate a God. Would you mind bowing your heads, closing your eyes? Many of you have been Christians for a long, long time since early childhood, and now you're in the older age of life. Many of you are in middle age, and you've been a Christian for a long time. Some of you are young people here tonight, and you've only been a Christian a few years, but let me tell you something. Revival needs to come to our land today by us restoring the sense of awe and wonder of God. And what I would like to do in a moment of silence, without anybody getting up, without anybody raising your hand, but sitting there with just you and God, to think about God, to think about His handiwork, to think about His character, and to think about His redemptive deeds. And for you to restore the wonder of God in your life.
Father, we come to you with wonder and awe and worship of you. We come to you with with wonder because there's some people here that's never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and they think you won't receive them. But help them to know that you've never turned anybody down that wanted to come to you and help them to come to you tonight. And I pray that all of us will walk away from this building that we have... those that have accepted Christ, that we'll walk away from this building with the wonder that God has done and is doing and will do in our lives. In the wonderful name of Jesus, I pray.